Welcome to the Psych Central Show, where each episode presents an in-depth look at issues from the field of psychology and mental health, with host Gabe Howard and co-host Vincent M. Wales. Hello, everyone, and welcome to this week's episode of the Psych Central Show podcast. My name is Gabe Howard, and with me, as always, is Vincent M. Wales. Before we get started, I want to remind everyone to subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, which is formerly iTunes, Google Play, or wherever you listen to our show. And please do us a solid and leave us a review because we'll appreciate it. And remember, don't hesitate to reach out to us directly at show at psychcentral.com. As podcast hosts, Vin and I spend a lot of time researching things, finding out information, and presenting it to our listeners, you. And we get a lot of mail where people are like, you know, I don't like that. I don't like what you said. And, you know, sometimes it's about an opinion. You know, I say that I like purple and you say, ah, I don't like that. I think red is better. We understand that. That makes sense to us. But in our world, people write us back and they, they disagree on a fact. Like, I don't like the definition of bipolar disorder. It's like we, we, didn't, we didn't make the definition of bipolar disorder. We're just reporting on it. And of course, we can see this out in the community. And we were curious about this. And then... We found a guy. Vin, we found a guy. You found a guy. I found a guy. We found somebody who studies this, and, and he's, he's, he's an incredible person. He's the co-founder of the Pro-Truth Pledge, which is an, initi- an initiative to fight misinformation and advocate for truth. He's the author of the Amazon bestseller, The Truth Seeker's Handbook. Uh, he's a doctor. He has a PhD. Uh, he's the assistant professor over at The Ohio State University, Uh, in the Decision Sciences Collaborative and History Department. It is this man's life to understand why people won't listen to reason, Uh, essentially why people won't accept the facts that are right in front of them. Gentleman's name is Dr. Gleb Sapersky, and we are excited to welcome him to the show. Thanks for that lovely introduction, Gabe. That was great. Oh, thank you so much. I, we really want people to understand that you're not just sitting around wondering. Like, that's, what, that's what Vin and I do. We're just sitting around wondering why people won't accept facts. I mean, that, that's, that's basically all we're doing. But you studied it. You took a scientific approach and you started a group and you, you have a lot of information to share to us. So the, the first question that we want to fire right off the bat, just get it right out of the way, is why won't people accept facts? I mean, your listeners are well familiar with psychology. This is a Psych Central podcast after all. And people who don't accept the truth don't accept the truth for emotional reasons. It feels uncomfortable to them. Now, we as human beings are evolved not for the current environment, not for the modern world, but for the savannah, where we mainly use the flight or fight response to deal with threats in our environment. And we're not really comfortable, we're not really evolved for the modern world. So we generally go with our gut, with our intuitions. And sometimes our gut leads us astray. It tells us that, you know, we see something that, you know, otherwise would be a fact. You know, we perceive it as a fact, as a reality in our world, but we are uncomfortable with it. We don't like it. And therefore, we reject it. We reject the information that's coming at us. We reject the stimulus, this external stimulus, and we say, no, I'm going to ignore that. It doesn't matter to me. And that's a psychological error that researchers call the confirmation bias, where we tend to look for information and interpret information in ways that conforms to our current beliefs, to our gut intuitions, to our gut reactions, as opposed to what's really out there, as opposed to the actual truths 
of reality. So it basically comes back to our psychology. We don't accept facts because they don't feel comfortable and convenient to us, and we can commit the confirmation bias when we don't accept these facts. It's pretty similar to cognitive dissonance, isn't it? Yes, it is. Cognitive dissonance is the process, uh, the underlying process that happens. So when we see something that we don't like, we have a process of cognitive dissonance where in one version we either have to accept this fact and be emotionally uncomfortable because it doesn't correspond to our beliefs, or we can reject this fact and be very comfortable because now we don't have to change our beliefs. So essentially, most people choose to avoid the situation of being in cognitive dissonance where the observable reality differs from their internal perception of reality. And because most people are uncomfortable with cognitive dissonance, they just simply reject the external reality that contradicts their internal reality. Now, we can certainly work to overcome this, and there are many techniques to overcome this, but most people are just uncomfortable dealing with cognitive dissonance. When somebody comes up to me and says something negative about my best friend, and I don't want to look at those facts, I don't consider it confirmation bias. I consider it being a good friend. That's loyalty. And our society is set up to respect me for that loyalty rather than chastise me for not being willing to look at the fact. So I get praise for being a good friend, and there's no consequence to refusing to look at that data point. How does that kind of play into it? Because in my mind, I just did a good thing. So I'm good. Right. So people perceive loyalty as good. And that all goes back to our tribe, tribal instincts. In, from an evolutionary perspective, it's beneficial for, in most cases, for us to protect members of our tribe rather than orient toward the truth rather than orient toward the facts. So we are evolutionarily set up to protect our friends and loved ones, even by lying for them, even by accepting misinformation about them. So ignoring the facts about them, you know, whether they committed a crime or did some bad stuff or whatever, we are evolutionarily set up to reject that information and to protect people who we perceive as part of our tribe. Now, that works well for a savanna environment. It doesn't work that well at all for a modern complex society where we have to interact with people from all different tribes who don't look like us, who don't think like us, who don't feel like us. And then when we perceive these people as different, we reject them and we accept bad information about them because they're not part of our tribe. And for people who we perceive as part of our tribe, whether this tribe is, you know, part of our workforce or, you know, our people who are our race or our gender, whatever we perceive as affiliations with our tribe, that is what we perceive to get. These are the people that we protect, even if, if doing so doesn't match the facts of reality. So in order to overcome these tendencies, which are really harmful. These are the tendencies that result in racism, sexism, polarization in politics, polarization in various other spheres, really bad stuff, stereotyping. In order to overcome them, we have to overcome our gut reactions. In fact, I often do consulting on diversity and inclusion for HR staff, 
in various organizations, and this is the kind of stuff I talk about, how we have to overcome these biases that come from our evolutionary background. We have to overcome our gut reactions. We can't be the savage human beings who we have grown up to be without any sort of changes. We have to be civilized. We can't be natural. We can't go with our guts. We have to adopt new behavior patterns in order to live in our modern complex society. Oh, thank you so much, Gleb. We're going to step away, but when we come back, we want to hear some of those techniques, some of those ideas, and I have a note here that says to ask you about eGrip. That's all coming up after the break. We'll be right back. This episode is sponsored by BetterHelp.com. Secure, convenient, and affordable online counseling. All counselors are licensed, accredited professionals. Anything you share is confidential. Schedule secure video or phone sessions, plus chat and text with your therapist whenever you feel it's needed. A month of online therapy often costs less than a single traditional face-to-face session. Go to betterhelp.com forward slash psych central and experience seven days of free therapy to see if online counseling is right for you. Betterhelp.com forward slash psych central. Welcome back, everyone. We're here with Dr. Gleb Sapersky talking about confirmation bias and all the nasty stuff that results from that. Gleb, tell me, we talked earlier about why we, we often think the way we do. How do we, how do we stop doing that? Yeah, how do we evolve? Yeah, how do we become more evolved thinkers? Yeah, so the first thing to recognize is the problems, which we talked about in the first part of the show. And the second part is what are the solutions? And I talk about this in my book, The Truth Seeker's Handbook, A Science-Based Guide. We have to recognize that we as human beings lie, deceive ourselves and others for several reasons, for tribal reasons. So what's uh, aligned with our tribe, when we see, that's the one reason. Another is when we see other people around us doing the problematic behaviors, when we see them lying and deceiving themselves and deceiving others, we're more likely to lie. So this is called network effects, where people in our network influence us in ways that we may not even realize that they influence us. And thirdly is how likely we are to get caught. So if we perceive, and this has to do with negative reinforcement and positive reinforcement, what kind of things reinforce our behaviors? If we can lie to ourselves and to others and get away with it, we will be more likely to do it and vice versa if we are punished for lying in some way or other, then we'll be less likely to do it. So in order to address these things, that's how what we have to think about. And in order to help us as human beings, both ourselves as individuals and ourselves as a community and ourselves within a broader society, to have a greater orientation toward the truth, that's the motivation for me to create the Pro-Truth Pledge at protruthpledge.org. And that is something that I've been working on with other experts in behavioral science who are concerned with the great amount of misinformation and incivility in our public discourse. And I'm not talking about simply about politics, but business, journalism, and so on. So a lot of misinformation, a lot of incivility. How do we deal with this? And that is the purpose of the Pro-Truth Pledge, which outlines 12 simple behaviors that we as human beings can follow. And this is informed by cognitive behavioral therapy, which has been shown as pretty much the most effective therapeutic approach because it combines thinking and behaviors. So the pro-truth pledge involves the kind of behaviors 
that we as human beings can follow in order to make sure that we are being honest with ourselves and we are being honest with others and we are being honest in our community. The Psych Central Show podcast, by way of me, the host, uh, I've taken the pro-truth pledge and I agree with it. And one of the things that that sort of took me personally a, a little by surprise is it said that the truth is the truth and you need to speak it even if it goes against your arguments. And, and I had sort of a visceral reaction to that. I was like, no, 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 no. If I'm trying to win, I, I need to minimize facts that go against my side of the argument and maximize facts that go for it. Now that's not lying. That is, that's how I saw it. I saw that that was not lying. What would you say to me when I say by hiding things that disagree with me, I'm not a liar? Please don't call me a liar, but, but clearly I'm not, I'm not honoring the truth in, in that. Right. So that's called uh, not lying straight away or straightforward manner, but that's called lying by mission. If you've ever heard the phrase lying by mission, that's what the phrase is about. This is why one of the behaviors of the pro-truth pledge, in fact, the second one is share the whole truth, even if some aspects don't support my opinion. So that is the way to be truthful. So if you share the whole truth, even if some don't, aspects don't support your opinion, well, that way you can ensure that you're sharing the truth. So that is one of the ways that the pro-truth pledge works. And another way that it works, you know, another behavior is sharing your sources so that others can verify your information and fact-check information to confirm it's true before accepting and sharing it. Acknowledge when others share true information Ask people to retract information that reliable sources have disproved, even if those people are your allies. So here we go to the community part and celebrate those who retract incorrect statements and update their beliefs toward the truth, which is another community part. So the pro-truth pledge has three aspects. Again, about yourself, about interacting with others, and about correcting people around you in your community, which are meant to pull all of us toward being more truthful. You know, if you expect people like Gabe, who's a podcast show host, to take the pro-truth pledge, then you yourself need to take the pro-truth pledge. All of you as listeners need to take the pro-truth pledge. If you'd like Gabe, if you'd like business leaders, faith leaders, political leaders, journalists, to take the pro-truth pledge, then each of you, it's incumbent on each of you to be accountable to, for taking the pro-truth pledge, modeling this behavior, and calling upon everyone else to take the pro-truth pledge in order to address the misinformation and incivility in our society. Thank you so much. I, I learned a lot by taking it. I, again, I, I feel the, the, the desperate need to point out that I considered myself to be a very honest person before, but you're, you're right. Uh, by reading it, I realized that, yeah, I, I don't share information that doesn't support my argument because I may have considered it, but I don't want to, quote, muddy the waters. This leads me to my next question, which is, uh, how do you get people to change their mind? Somebody has some misinformation, you have the correct facts, they're rejecting them for all of the reasons that you set up at the beginning of the show, and now you want to bring them to the truth, for lack of a better phrase. So the first thing to remember is that you don't want to lead with the facts because of confirmation bias. People will tend to reject these facts, and they might it might even backfire if you start sharing the facts. You might harm your relationship with them. They might even have a stronger attachment to their incorrect beliefs. It happens sometimes because of they have an emotional negative reaction to you sharing the facts. So you don't want to lead with the facts. 
Instead, you want to understand where they are, their emotions, and this leads to the eGRIP strategy. So this is a really great strategy that you can use to help lead people who have some misinformation, who believe a falsehood, into believing the facts. So eGRIP is an acronym for emotions, goals, rapport, information, and positive reinforcement. And that describes the five steps of the strategy. So first, you figure out their emotions. Why are they believing the falsehoods? You know, so for example, if somebody believes that vaccines cause autism, you know, they might have concerns about uh, vaccines because they love their child. That might be their concern, and they don't want their child to have autism. So that might be the cause of their concern. So once you figure that out, you establish shared goals. So then you say, okay, you know, totally understand you, it's a very noble goal to not have, want your child to have autism. Then you want to build rapport. That's the third step. So rapport is building trust. Talk to that uh, person, you know, the mother about, to wow, look, being a mother, you really care about your child's health. That's so important. You're a wonderful mother. Totally understand your concern about your child's health. That's super important. And in general, reflect their emotions, show that you understand their concerns. Then this is a good stage to talk about how you took the pro-truth pledge yourself and you're following these behaviors. And then I invite her to take the pro-truth pledge as well for the sake of this conversation, making sure that you're both orienting toward the facts, toward the truth, because the best way to keep her child healthy is to orient toward the facts of reality. And this is a stage where you orient toward sharing information. So this is the fourth stage, not the first stage. You talk about the facts of this stage, and you can talk about, hey, you know, there are so many cases of measles and uh, recently where people who are unvaccinated in 2017 was the largest year of uh, measles epidemic of measles in the United States for a very long time. People got sick. People died because they weren't vaccinated. And you can share, you can uh, show the mother the pictures of kids with measles and how sick they got and how terrible that is. Say, hey, you never want that to happen to her child. So this is, there's a lot of danger of that happening. And to show how dangerous it can be to not have someone vaccinated and how this would undermine your whole goal of uh, having a healthy child and say, hey, you know, she, you might be concerned about autism, but let's think about broader health issues, the measles and other sorts of problems. Talk about the other sorts of diseases that might come to her child if she doesn't get the child vaccinated, how terrible that would be. And finally, end with P, positive reinforcement. Talk about how great it is that she changes her mind, updates her beliefs, and orients toward keeping her child healthy. And, you know, which essentially means getting the child vaccinated and how hard it is to do and how noble it is that she focuses on her child's health in all areas of health. So that would be the strategy for eGRIP with uh, vaccines and autism. And you can apply that to any sort of broader efforts to persuade someone who currently believes falsehoods to orient toward the facts instead. Sounds like a great, uh, a great strategy, as you said. Also sounds difficult. It is difficult. It's something that requires empathy and understanding of the other person. But this is the only thing that you can do if you actually want to change their minds. Arguments really don't change people's minds. They just result in a lot of shouting and wasted <laughs> time and energy. So if you actually want to change people's minds, eGrip is a wonderful alternative.
I can speak to this as a mental health advocate. I, I haven't used the e-grip strategy because, you know, I, I just I just heard of it recently. But I learned a long time ago that when somebody disagrees with me, if I just start, you know, yelling at them or disagreeing with them or arguing with them or minimizing their opinion or viewpoint or worldview, it didn't cause them to all of a sudden jump to my side. It caused them to dig in their heels and refuse to bend at all. Because now it was about their personality versus my personality. And that was just an argument. Whereas if I said, you know, that's not how I see it. And then I listened to how they saw it. And then we found some common ground things to agree on. All of a sudden, they felt like if they changed their opinion and agreed with me, it wasn't a case of Gabe winning or a case of them being bullied or a case of them losing face to their public, but of them evolving. And I didn't come up with a great acronym for it. I just sort of realized early on that nobody is going to change if I browbeat them, even if I'm using facts. Uh, You can't hit people with facts. People just don't like being hit. (laughs) Gleb, thank you so much for being on our show. We're, We're pretty much out of time. Do you have any final words to leave our viewers with? All of your links will be available in the show notes. We, we highly encourage people to uh, check out Dr. Sapersky's work. Uh, it is incredible. And uh, you'll learn a lot. It's really neat. So again, any last words? And then we'll go ahead and uh, scoot on out of here. Yes, I would recommend and call on everyone to remember to not go with their guts, to not be savage, and to orient toward being civilized and intentional and orient toward the truth and the facts. To so check out the Pro-Truth Pledge at protruthpledge.org and my book about this subject, The Truth Seekers Handbook, a science-based guide which is available on Amazon. And I hope all of you join me in being more truthful. Thank you so much. Thanks everyone for tuning in. And remember, you can get one week of free, convenient, affordable, private online counseling anytime, anywhere by visiting betterhelp.com slash psychcentral. And we will see you next week. Thank you for listening to the Psych Central Show. Please rate, review, and subscribe on iTunes or wherever you found this podcast. We encourage you to share our show on social media and with friends and family. Previous episodes can be found at psychcentral.com slash show. Psychcentral.com is the internet's oldest and largest independent mental health website. Psych Central is overseen by Dr. John Grohall, a mental health expert and one of the pioneering leaders in online mental health. Our host, Gabe Howard, is an award-winning writer and speaker who travels nationally. You can find more information on Gabe at GabeHoward.com. Our co-host, Vincent M. Wales, is a trained suicide prevention crisis counselor and author of several award-winning speculative fiction novels. You can learn more about Vincent at VincentMWales.com. If you have feedback about the show, please email talkback at psychcentral.com.